she's a doctor. That's she wears sensible sandals. That's why she doesn't want to be a wife. It was like subtext, <laughs> like feminist wife doesn't have to account for anything. I cannot wait till Black Lives Matter like actually learns about how awful Joe Biden is. Also, he's a grabby, grabby old man. Like he's so gross. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Anne Friedman. And I'm Amina Tuso. On this week's agenda, we'll discuss Taylor Swift, BFF power couples, Ivanka Trump and her dad, Joe Biden feels Hillary versus Bernie versus Black Lives Matter, our love of political scandals, including Columba Bush and uh, Marco Rubio's wife. Drake and Serena are dating and we're so happy and the misuse of slang. Hi, Amina. What's up? (laughs) Hi, Anne. I'm so good. I, like, just made myself a (laughs) big salad. Went to the farmer's market this morning. I'm still running on adrenaline. I feel great. I mean, I'm going to describe the fig salad for people who do not receive a photo of it in text message like I did. This salad was pornographic. It was, like, lush and, like red and green and it was it was incredible i think you could make some money like maybe stock photo for sexy salad i know you know there was an article this week about how salads are scams i didn't actually read the article but i was so annoyed because i love salad i think people are idiots we like don't know how to make a good one okay i read that article and that article accused lettuce of being merely a vehicle for water which i think garbage which i mean and what kind of lettuce are you eating i eat i eat my like west coast hearty greens you know it's not just a vehicle for water i'm sorry i mean i have been known to enjoy even an iceberg so trust (laughs) i just don't that's like where i drew the line this week i was like this is clickbait i'm not clicking on this i mean i clicked it i'm not that strong but (laughs) anyway your salad was beautiful you're winning today i met two major deadlines and i'm drinking a trader jose's knockoff corona in my closet (laughs) which we can talk about trader joe's ethnicize names for products at some later date. But anyway, but that's what I'm consuming right now. Trader Jose. (laughs) What else? I saw Taylor Swift yesterday and my life was changed. This is your what? Third, fourth Taylor Swift concert? Um, Fourth. Fourth. This is my fourth. I've been to all the big tours. Oh my God. Tell me about last night. Uh, First of all, I'm going to brag. I flew on a private jet yesterday and I don't know how civilians are flying in commercial flights i never want to fly ever again it was like life can be like this okay i have so, so many that's my brag for component for the day it was amazing all right God, I, so- I sound like such an asshole but i i mean i just you I might was like this is how these like rich kids of beverly hills on the show live and i had no idea i never want to get on another plane ever again if it's not a private plane it's ridiculous Okay, I'm not... Yeah, that does sound a little Rich Kids of Beverly Hills. I mean, listen, I... (laughs) I want to be a Rich Kid of Beverly Hills. What's up, EJ? But so, before the show, 
obviously I'd like been reading about it. I was really familiar with the set list. And every time I go to a big arena show, I always panic a little before I go, ugh, why did I drop this much money on this? I already know all the songs, blah, blah, blah. Like all of your concert anxiety. And then you get there and there's like 30,000 freaks just like you. And you're like, okay, I'm at home again. (laughs) It's fantastic. You understand why those like weird people get married in group weddings and stuff. Like it takes something you're already excited about and just turns it up to like 15. Yeah. And last year I also made a rule that um, I would I would stop going to like indie show like cool band concerts because I actually hate that experience. But the like stadium <laughs> That has been your policy for a while though, let's Arena be real. You've madness. had a stadium only concert policy for almost as long as I've known you, I feel. Yeah, cuz it's just like worth money. I'm like I'm I'm tired of like sta- yeah. But so like life-changing the whole time before I wondered who the secret guests were gonna be I was really hoping it would be future or Jadena because you know Taylor is in need of like black people (laughs) and the Seattle crowd got a Fetty Wap and I was so jealous what did Seattle do to deserve Fetty Wap that's what Uh, I want to know I don't even know I mean they got Sierra which like fine you have Sierra I don't care but I would Fetty be. Wap? I would have been excited about. You wouldn't have been excited about Sierra at all. Come on. No, I just. I I have some like really just meh feelings about Sierra lately, <laughs> and I think that they're tangled into my love of future, <laughs> and, in the, and in the the wake of their relationship breakdown, I chose future. I feel like you're on. This is like pop culture psychology. It's like okay, well, tell me why you feel the way you do about Sierra. Like, what's the what's the feelings I mean, you're going name through? Name like four good Sierra songs. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Exactly, I, I can't. <laughs> I, 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 but look, she doesn't have to sing four songs with Taylor. She has to sing one, right? Fair enough. <laughs> but here are the secret guests. Ellen did her like weird Ellen thing. <laughs> And then Natalie Maines from Dixie Chicks. That's when I started tearing up because I, like, love the Dixie Chicks. Playing Tear Texas so hard. Oh, 100%. And then Alanis Morissette. You ought to know. That's, like, when I cry. I, like, full-on cried. I was wondering when I saw that Alanis was there yesterday... I was like, you know, for the teenagers that are there, is this the way I felt about Blondie or something when I was a kid? Like ancient, kind of like not ancient history, but old enough to just be like, oh yeah, that was not on TV, like in any time in my memory. You know, it's sort of like, it's retro. Yeah, but the kids knew all of the words. It was so the best. And like Taylor obviously was so into it. I'm so glad I saw her in L.A. instead of San Francisco because San Francisco got Joan Baez, LOL, LOL, <laughs> I would have asked for a refund. Real talk. How many roads would I walk down to not have to listen to Joan Baez over the Dixie Chicks or yeah, I'm just like You know how, like, Taylor is always talking about her squad goals? I'm like, literally, Taylor Swift, Joan Baez, and Julia Roberts is nobody's definition of squad goals. I don't know what you're talking about. But did you see that? I mean, I did you see that video of the girl who was, like, sort of parodying the randomness of Taylor's special guest choices where she was like, and now let me bring to the stage. And it's just like this totally incongruous group of people. Please welcome to the stage. (laughs) They've been through a lot, but now they're here. The women survivors of ISIS. Welcome to the stage. Hillary Swank, Laura Linney, Laura Dern, Lisa Dixon, Hillary Clinton, Lupita Nyong'o, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, like in LA, they also had Chris Rock and uh, who else? Joey Tribbiani, because you know how Taylor loves her friends. 
<laughs> and yeah, I'm. It's so weird, especially like as the tour is winding down. You're just like, which celebrity has she not invited? Right. Slash, like, who happens to live in that town is like, yeah, I could drive over. Like, I'll be there. <laughs> I know. But it, yeah, no, it was great. There's a Taylor backlash coming on. I have feelings about it. But honestly, best two hours of my life yesterday. Thank you, Taylor Swift. That was worth every single penny and more. Great. I mean, I can't wait to someday be a part of the montage interview clips about what a great person you are when you go on an arena tour. That's all I have to say. I can't (laughs) wait to be interviewed about just like everything you've done for me and like just your contribution to society and how much you love snacks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I can't wait. I'll be like, hi, everyone. Introducing my friend Ann Friedman. Welcome to the stage. I know. She I can't dance honor, and I can't the honor sing. Of introducing. <laughs> so sad. But you know, yesterday at the same time, there was an amazing Carly Rae Epson um, concert, and I'm really sad I missed that. I know, at a much smaller venue with just as many celebrities, I think. I know. Um, a friend of the podcast, Lindsay Weber, spotted uh, Tom Hanks. And <laughs> I was like, that's maybe the best celebrity. Oh, yeah. Setting. Former podcast guest, Lindsay Weber. That's, there are very few people we can say that about. I know. Lindsay Weber forever. You know, uh, she's she is great. Her Tom Hanks spotting like A plus. I saw her photo of it on Instagram and it was like trying to spot Sasquatch. I was like, is that Tom <laughs> Hanks? Like, I know that's what you photographed, but. <laughs> Oh man, maybe one day we'll do a whole podcast episode about my theory that Tom Hanks is a black man. Did I ever tell you about the time I was really stoned and sitting right next to Tom and Colin Hanks at a brunch place in New York? Stop. And they both ordered the same sandwich, and I kept trying to indicate to our mutual friend Josh, who was sitting to our left, and it was just not working because of the extreme level of stonedness. I don't know. Anyway, I was very close to Tom Hanks, and... I would love to hear more about this theory because he looked very white. Tom Hanks is passing for a white man. He looks just like Cab Calloway. It's like a thing. I'm going to Google this. I'll send you I'll send you some evidence later. Maybe we'll post it on the website. But yeah. And then also it would explain Chet Hayes, mm-hmm. who is America's worst rapper <laughs> and son of Tom and Rita. I sat next to Rita at the girls premiere last year. And, or earlier this year, she smells incredible. She's All rich so people nice, smell incredible, right? So good. I just assume everyone rich smells good. Uh, that's not true. If you're in the private plane, you can afford to control your smell environment. Listen, only like smart people like us know about the importance of smells. <laughs> well, listen, because you brought up Taylor, I feel like I have to talk about this article from T Magazine that was about female BFF power couples. Oh, yeah, tell me. So Taylor was sort of one in a series of examples, but I'm going to read this little excerpt. The author Emily Witt says, Lately, we've been inundated with images of real-life best friends triumphantly displayed. It's difficult to get through a day on the internet without looking at photos of women flaunting the depth of their intimacy by posing over (laughs) dinner or watching television together in matching pajamas. We now flick through images not of celebrity couples, but of celebrity friends. And like... Taylor and the Haim sisters are like one of the many examples and Taylor, all of all of Taylor's squad photos. And my feeling about this is like, OK, maybe there are idealized images of female friendship and like maybe all of those women in every photo are not as tight as they want you to think they are 
or they have problems and fight too. But I would so much rather idealize healthy female friendships than I would heteronormative relationships. She's sort of like, isn't this just a different kind of ideal we can't live up to and isn't that bad? There is a difference between saying this is an ideal you have to live up to and being like, this is a type of relationship we want to model more often. Yeah. I don't know. Have you read the Alana Ferrante books? Oh, my God. So, well, the Alana Ferrante Ferrante book is like her example in this article of a better take on female friendship. She says it's more complex. That's why, you know, she's not sort of saying all versions of female friendship presented online are bad. She just says, like, this oversimplified Instagram version of it is bad. And so she actually says those are good. I am. Um, yeah. Like, I would recommend the Alana Ferrante books because I think that it's a little more complex and deep. But I also, there's so much of it I don't agree with. I think that a lot of the Instagram friendship, Lindsay, Lindsay Weber, that we talked about earlier, coined this amazing term um, last year, BFF marketing, <laughs> in relation to Taylor. Before Taylor adopted squad goals, Lindsay saw into the future and like coined BFF marketing. And, you know, and I think that a lot of that is just tied into FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out. You're just like, here are all the famous people she's hanging out with. Here's what she's doing. But I don't know. I I think, to me, it is worth it to see women celebrate their friendships with each other than, yeah, like the heteronormative, like, love stories. And, yeah, it's like close friendship is worth celebrating, right? But, yeah, read the Ferrante books because those ladies are crazy. And I feel like you just learn so much more about compassion from, like, that trilogy. Yeah, I also think that you have to consider the source here, which is that if Taylor... (laughs) If Taylor Swift were posting tons of photos of her in a romantic relationship, you wouldn't also get posts about them fighting or how things are tough. I mean, it's sort of like the general tendency of either like not wanting to you know, show too much about your personal life, whether you're a celebrity or a normal person, and then ge- the general pressure to be upbeat about things online is like, that's going to happen to no matter what. That is a price I'm happy to pay for more visibility for female friendship. Fair. Fair enough. Great. Glad yeah, we, we settled were, that. We were on the vanguard of, like, BFF marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, surfing the friendship wave. <laughs> <laughs> peak too soon. Peak too soon. No, we're pe- <laughs> no, we haven't even peaked yet. Don't even say that. I mean, speaking of not peaking yet, can we talk about the incredible shout-out we got this week? I usually do not care about shout-out, even though in the shout-out economy, I'm the richest person. I just almost spit my Trader Jose's knockoff Corona into the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) But Ivanka Trump, daughter of Donald Trump, (laughs) said that we're one of our favorite podcasts. Okay, are we sure, though, that this was not someone who, like, works for Ivanka Trump? Oh, like, and 100% it's somebody who works for Ivanka. Thank you. I'm I don't care. Factcheck.org. I'm uh, just saying. Please. <laughs> I am under no illusion. Also, they, like, spell my last name wrong. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I roll. But I was like, of all of the weirdo, like, <laughs> we are aware of your podcast, that's my favorite. Also, Loki, I love Ivanka, man. I own some Ivanka shoes. I like I have been supporting her for a long time. Tell me Ivanka shoes on the spectrum of celebrity footwear, like are they better than Jessica Simpson and Carlos Santana? Okay. You can't <laughs> talk shit about Jessica. Like no. Jay Sams Jay Sams is like the queen. Ivanka comes close, but like nobody <laughs> will beat Jay Sams. She just has a lot to prove. 
So the, better the, than Carlos Santana, but not as good as Jessica Simpson. Definitely better than Carlos. Like, very comfortable. And you would think, like, kind of... It's, like, not on brand for me, you know, because I'm not, like, a clubbing lady. <laughs> but every once in a while, you know, you're, like, at a Dillard's and you're, like, okay, this is comfortable as fuck. <laughs> Looks good. What's up? Also, I love to support lady entrepreneurs, man. I mean, Ivanka... She is. She is. You know, she has like that whole I, I will confess that I had not spent much time on Ivanka's uh, website before clicking this link to her staff person's endorsement of our podcast. And I was like, anyway, P.S. Shout out to Ivanka's staff. Yeah, <laughs> Ivanka's staff forever. Love you, ladies. But, but I did not realize that she was going the full goop direction with things. Oh, uh, Ivanka's been going goop. She's like, she's, a, she's my lifestyle guru. She just knows what's up. Great. It's just in- impeccable. Also, Ivanka's dad in the news. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we can just make a pact to only refer to him as Ivanka's dad moving oh, yeah. forward he's in this podcast. He's Ivanka and Baron's dad, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Great. Baron Trump is my favorite nine-year-old. He's so fly. <laughs> we already talked about how much I loved his hat. But can I read something to you that was in the news today? Obviously. It was in uh, on time.com. The title of this article is Donald Trump supporters vent frustration in Frank Lund's focus group. <laughs> but best line. We know his goal is to make America great again, a woman said. It's on his hat. And we see it every time it's on TV. Everything that he's doing. There's no doubt why he's doing it. To make America great again. The hat is the best platform. He doesn't need a website. He doesn't need a policy platform. What a time to be alive. I mean, it's Trump supporters are crazy. It's really like the major league sports approach to presidential marketing, which seems very smart. Like that seems to have gone pretty well for professional sports to be like, yeah, you know, like a hat and a really good slogan. And like, we'll see. Yeah, I'm fascinated by Trump. He had this ridiculous interview with Chuck Todd last week, and Chuck Todd is like, tell us about the wall around Mexico, what's going to happen? <laughs> and Donald Trump's like, Chuck, I'm the best builder in the country. I'm going to get it done. <laughs> and I was like, I can't fight that. Also, just like, does Chuck Todd still have that goatee? <laughs> Yo, Chuck Todd had that goatee since he was seven years old. He looks exactly <laughs> Baby Chuck same. Todd was born with that goatee. Yeah, and he got a promotion, so he's like a Mr. The Face of Everything on MSNBC now. How can you make him the face of everything with that goatee? I... Because Washington, D.C., and we don't care what you look like. We only care what you think like. <laughs> I mean, again, some problems there. But Trump's fence, is he going to put the slogan on the fence, do you think? Probably. I mean, Trump is crazy. He's, like, actually crazy. It's like, Donald, what are you going to do? You're always having fights on social media. How can we trust you not to have a fight with, like, Saudi Arabia? Right. And he goes, I sell them a lot of apartments. Millions of dollars worth of apartments we right. get along. <laughs> I'm really... It's like, now it's funny to me, but I'm actually low-key worried. It's like, on one hand, I love that he's just forcing Republicans to deal with the fact that they're awful people. You know, I'm like, this is the monster that you created. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I talked to some of my friends' parents who are Trump supporters, and they all tell me the same thing. They're like, you know, Amina, he just he just says what we can't say. Like, he just he just says what he thinks. And I was like, man, this is, this is dangerous. Danger, danger. Wow, racist change you can believe in. 
Things that I mean, you don't want to say real. yourself. Yeah. For real. He just like, he doesn't care. And they're like, he can't be bought. He has billions. And I'm like, actually, it's debatable how much money he has. Right. And actually anyone can be bought because you know how expensive it is to run a presidential campaign? <sighs> yeah, no, everybody can be bought. And now also Joe Biden wants to run, which I'm very annoyed at. I mean, can we just all take a little moment? I want the nation to collectively put a caring hand on Joe Biden's shoulder and just be like, we love you. We're never going to love you more than we love you right now. So stop trying to get us to love you more. Just like end it with there. Here's the thing about Joe Biden. He... I think that in the Obama presidency, he's remade himself into this happy-go-lucky Uncle Joe character. You know, he gave us marriage equality. He is really chill. He's meme-friendly. Yeah, you know, he's had a lot of tragedy, so we're supposed to, like, empathize. But people have a really short memory. Joe Biden is evil, man. First of all, if you go back to the Anita Hill hearings... He stopped other women from testifying to corroborate Anita's testimony, which one is evil, but two makes him like directly responsible for Clarence Thomas. And there's a clear line to that, to how the Voting Rights Act is getting gutted. Two, that man wrote the 1994 crime bill. That is the reason that, you know, like everybody talks about Bill Clinton and how bad he was for crime and prison and all that stuff, which is true. But Joe Biden actually wrote the bill. So when I well, see but, all and these, then like, tried to atone with the Violence and, like, Against Bla- Women Act, which was like not enough of an atonement. No, totally. But when I see like black people especially be like, yeah, like we need an alternative to Hillary, Joe Biden, and I'm like, I cannot wait till Black Lives Matter like actually learns about how awful Joe Biden is. Also, he's a grabby, grabby old man. Like he's so <laughs> gross. All of these pictures of him just non-consensually touching women and whispering in their ears. He's such a low-key creep, and he cannot be our president. No way. Wow. I feel like we should make that available in clip format, just like for posterity, so people can easily link to it on Twitter, etc. if and when no he declares I'll his candidacy. No put it on the website. Great. I'll put it on the website. I would like access to that. something too about like a lot of people have strong feelings about Hillary but at this point with the Democrats it's just you have a feeling that like the white dudes are like anybody but a woman you know so everybody is just like throwing their hat in the ring and I was like "Mm, this is suspicious well it's also noteworthy that there is a statute of limitations on calling out really reprehensible stuff from the past of every candidate but Hillary I feel like that is also a theme of that Biden assessment, which is like, oh, yeah, I only remember him from the past eight or so years. And he seems pretty good. Right. Like everybody's like attacking Hillary on crime. And I'm like, Hillary was merely married to the crime bill. (laughs) Joe wrote it. Mm -hmm. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah. And it's like she has to pay for the sins of like her husband everywhere. And I'm like, you guys remember she was first lady. Like you can't just pin all this stuff on her. Tell me what you think of Bernie's sort of awkward, bumbling overtures toward Black Lives Matter. Oh, I'm so over Bernie, and God. <laughs> it's just like, where do you even come from? You know, on one hand, it is really, it is like kind of wonderful to watch like a white man, especially just 
shut up and listen to black people <laughs> every time they like storm his platform. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like Bernie to me is a distraction. But you know what I, I just, keep wishing? I can't handle it. Like it is, you're right. Like he does shut up and listen, but there, there, there have been at least two incidents that I've watched where he, once it becomes clear that these activists are standing up to like, to ask questions, he just kind of steps off to the side and, and they speak, which is great. But I also am sort of like, actually what would I, I would really like to hear from you is an engaged dialogue with them on the spot and like, and, and share that platform so that what they say is not just, and they were allowed to speak. It's like, you know, you, what you say is part of like, you know, boosting what they say and making it newsworthy. Yeah, did you see the Hillary Clinton video with her and the Black Lives Matter I did, I did. It's kind of incredible because the way the girl who talks to her is so nervous about, like, calling her out and criticizing her, and Hillary just, like, stands there and listens, but she's so firm. Um, And that those policies were actually extensions of white supremacist violence against communities of color. And so I I just think I want to hear... A little bit about that, about the, well, the fact sure. that actually while those policies yeah. were being enacted, they were ripping apart families and yeah. actually causing death. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with you. I'm not sure I disagree that any kind of government action often has uh, consequences. And certainly uh, the war on drugs, which you know, started back in the 80s, right, um, has had consequences, uh, increasing um, penalties for crime and three strikes and you're out and all of those uh, kinds of And you also just, you realize that like, yeah, it's like Hillary wasn't an activist, but she's worked with activists remember, her whole life and I she has proximity remember. to that world. So she gets the language. She was really firm. She was really respectful. And also the only time I think we've seen her in years be completely off script. Yeah. And I was like, thank you for being a real human right now. Like, I really appreciated that moment. It's like, you could tell that her and the, the activists didn't agree on everything. But she, like, she knew what she was talking about. She gave them the space to talk. And they did. They had, like, a real dialogue. Right. I mean, I, I also appreciated her comment of, like, you know, feels don't change policy. Yep. So all I'm saying is your analysis is totally fair. It's historically fair, it's psychologically fair, it's economically fair. But you're going to have to come together as a movement and say, here's what we want done about it. Because you can get lip service from as many white people as you can pack into Yankee Stadium and a million more like it. We're going to say, oh, we get it, we get it, we're going to be nicer. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's not enough, at least right. in my book. That's not how I see mm-hmm. politics. And I, I think that you can actually respectfully disagree with her point of view that you must enact policy for any sort of social change to be real. I think that there's plenty of issues to take with that. But in terms of where she sits and like, you know, at least theoretically what they're asking from her as a potential president, I thought that was a pretty good response. Yeah, no, it was great. Thanks, Hills. Oh. <laughs> uh. God, it's going to be a long, <laughs> it's like not even a year till the election. It's only August. I'm exhausted I keep, already. I keep thinking that like at some point, like, you know, we're going to come back to record in another two weeks and there just like won't be any, you know, pre pre presidential campaign news and we won't talk about it. But it just it's not going to happen. Right. Like we're just going to do this for two years. Yeah. I mean, it's 
yeah it's like we're gonna do this for two years and we're just gonna get an ebb and flow of like who says the dumbest you know like the dumbest stuff and it's like jeb bush and his anchor baby problem oh my god and i'm like do you not know the difference between like birth tourism and anchor babies also the fact that it's like 2015 and like conservatives think it's still an okay thing to like say anchor baby like disgusting i know disgusting i know um, well, that's one of those like, oh, wow, I can see who's working for you. People who look exactly like you. It's when you say stuff like that, just mm, there's no one throwing up a flag in the room being like, actually, maybe I would phrase your racist thoughts a little differently. I know. But like Jeb has the problem in that he has to run against Trump, you know, so he has to say something like as, like equally outrageous. But also all anybody wants to ever talk to him is how he lost all that weight. And he <laughs> keeps talking about his paleo diet. The Huckabee problem. I know. I love it. It was like, Jeb, how do you lose all this weight? It's like paleo. And then he just like whispers, I'm hungry all the time. Feed <laughs> <laughs> me, please. Slip a donut under this podium. I'm like, I support you. I'm over Jeb, but I like really want to read a good Columba story. Like Jeb Bush's wife to me is like, she's the real MVP of that. Well, I'm family. convinced there's not. I mean, until she decides that she wants wants one to be written there isn't because Hannah Hannah Rosen wrote an incredibly long I thought feature about Columba in the Atlantic a couple issues ago or maybe it's the latest one where um there's there's just not that much about her like it's very yeah she like refuses to be in the public eye yeah. I mean it's because she's had missteps like that time she tried to smuggle all that jewelry in the country <laughs> And also they have a daughter who, like, obviously had a drug problem in the, like, 90s and 80s. And she just, like, refuses to be a political wife, which I support. But I'm like, hmm, it's going to be a problem soon, lady. Yeah. I remember Howard Dean's wife, which now I feel terrible I cannot remember this woman's name. Do you remember her name? No, I don't yeah, know but, Howard But Dean's everyone wife. was like, oh, she's a doctor. That's She wears sensible sandals. That's why she doesn't want to be a wife. It was, like, <laughs> subtext, like, feminist wife doesn't have to account for anything. And I think that, like, because Columba can't be like, I'm a doctor or something like that, then she's going to have to at some point relent to the, like touchy-feely sit-down interview about when she and Jeb first fell in love and her charitable priorities as Which is, like, kind of an amazing story. You know, like, they fell in love at, like, 17, and then he, like, brought her over. You know, can you imagine, like, bringing over your, like, Mexican girlfriend to your (laughs) George H.W. To meet the Bush family? Yeah, that's, like, madness. Yeah, this article, God, it was heartbreaking. This article described her just sitting there silently and, like, half smiling while everyone talked because her at the, at the point at which she met them, she didn't speak English at, at all or Oof. very well. Yeah. Yeah, no, Jeb's the only white man who speaks good Spanish. I'm just like, you are the poster child for, like, Spanish as a second language. Oh, yeah, like, Thank half, you. half of this article was endorsements of how Jeb, Jeb's Spanish, like, so easily transitions between the Cuban-American community and the Mexican-American community <laughs> and all the nuances of how incredible Jeb's Spanish is. It was, like, great. Yeah, I want to be on Team Jeb, man, but, like... You know, but sorry, anchor babies. Sorry, Jeb. But Excuse- anchor babies. That's why. Yeah, it's like but anchor babies. <laughs> I'm like I can't. I just I can't condone this. Yeah. Oof. Looking good, very svelte. Good for you. The thing that I really want to happen, which is a cosmic impossibility, is to go back and interview 17 year old Columba and be like, "Listen, here's the deal. <laughs> you might love this guy, but here's what you're getting into with this family, and here's what it means to associate yourself with him, and." You know, just FYI. Uh, 
In my, like, dream life, her and Laura are, like, really good friends, and they go on vacation together, and they're like, we don't want to talk about the rest of these people. That's why she had so much jewelry. It was Laura's, too. (laughs) I know, right? I'm like, girl, you cannot declare that stuff. Mm -mm -mm. I I love a good political wife scandal. Like Marco Rubio's wife in hell, she's a speed demon. (laughs) She keeps getting tickets. She's a stressed out, powerful woman, though. Like, I would be speeding, too. Those two are the two that I, like, I can't stand. I'm like, literally, I could deal with, like, a Huckabee president before I handle, like, a Marco Rubio president. He's so bad with money. He's gonna, like, mortgage the White House and, like, bankrupt us. What Republican president in recent history is not so bad with money? Uh, No, but, like, this guy is the worst because he doesn't come (laughs) from money, one, and then there's, like, this one guy in Florida that, like, keeps bankrolling him. So he, like, gets, like, he gets, like, an $80,000 check, and then what does he do? He buys a boat. And, like, listen, homie, like, you are not good at personal finance. And he paints on the side of it, make America great again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, no. Like, Marco Rubio is the one I'm really scared of. He's going to bankrupt us. I'm going to be like, sorry, you took out a second mortgage on the White House. Like, guys, he's so shady. He used his corporate credit card to redo the carpets at his house. And then claim that he, like, got the credit cards mixed up. I'm like, come on. P.S. Why are you redoing carpets? Rip that shit out. It's like, there's got to be something better than carpet underneath it. Nouveau Riche people, like, love carpet. A high pile I'm like, you carpet. Guys, I'm like, you guys, mm-mm, that is not the way to go. Ugh. But so, yeah, I just love a good political scandal. Can't wait. I, ho- I hope we get some more good ones. I'm like, I, I feel like only frivolous news will save me in this in this you know election season i mean it's all the frivolous news is all i care about what's that one the terrible wisconsin one scott walker he has this like bald spot and he keeps saying that it's from when he hit his head (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like way to call attention to it. it's like literally the only thing i read about him i mean he's about brutally restrictive reproductive rights policies and dismantling workplace protections and like lots of things you might expect he ruined like tenure for all the professors at Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So Scott Walker colon more than a bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> One more year to go. Can't wait. Ugh. Let's talk about something happy. Um, Drake and Serena are dating. Emoji siren. (laughs) (laughs) Jamaican siren. I'm so happy. I'm really not invested in celebrity relationships, and I really think we should give people their privacy. But I have been dreaming of this since 2011. And I'm, like, so happy. Let me tell you this. I spent some time on Drake Drake's Instagram feed today while I was procrastinating on one of the two deadlines. Champagne poppy? Exactly. And so the thing is, like, obviously I check in from time to time, but I was like, I'm just going to look at this with Serena in mind. And I will say two things. One... Lots of ping pong going on. I'm like, is this yeah, sort of he your... Was at the Ro- he was at the Rogers Cup mm-hmm. with his mom. And I was like, I see you. Yep, yep. It's like, okay, all right. Sort of common interests that aren't really common at all. 
But then the second thing is, I feel like Drake's power has only grown as his beard has grown in. That, like, that like if, if Drake were to ever shave his beard again, he would be back to being kind of sad. But, like, he has been riding high for as long as that's been growing in and thickening. I mean, it's the beard, it's the haircut, it's how he got swole. I predicted on this podcast earlier that he got <laughs> swole for Serena. And, <laughs> like, because I'm a fucking oracle. That's exactly what happened. But also, there's this, like, Majid Jordan song from earlier that's like called the my love song and i remember like reading the lyrics to the drake part and i was like this has got to be about serena he's like you got your trophies i know how you like to show him off and shine him and like i'm not your trophy and i was like please who is the only person you know who plays sports oh i mean they could be metaphorical trophies but yes no it's it's serena because he's like finally out of her friend zone they've been like flirting for a long time he had that whole beef with common (laughs) (laughs) over serena (laughs) and there yeah it's like a couple of years ago too there was this video of her like twerking definitely in his condo i'm like please this is drake's house how could you identify drake's condo on context clues alone from other pictures of Drake's house. Okay. Does he have like, high pile th- carpet? Um, no, but he has a supreme mat in front of his bed. Whoa. Uh. <laughs> and, and also there was like a video of them a couple of years ago, like playing tennis where he was like, I can beat you, but only if you play lefty. And, uh, you know, she obviously like let him win, but you know, I, I don't know if I was like a high powered tennis executive and some dude, it's like of all of the sports that you could play and you think that you can compete with me, tennis, you know, like put it in me 100%. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's like specially speaking to your interests. I, I feel I feel Drake and Serena is like maybe the very center of your Venn diagram. And I'm like, I'm a dark skinned lady. I've played some tennis. Drake is basically dating me. Exactly. <laughs> that is, that is what is happening. Shut but also, it down. Yeah. But like jokes aside, I think that there's something about like, you know, like dudes dating women who are more successful than them. He has been like following her around the tennis circuit. He like clearly is in awe of her. And I don't know. Serena deserves the best. She's like our like generation's most dominant athlete like maybe ever i mean at which point i have to ask is drake the best (laughs) i mean drake is the best after serena drake destroyed meek mill (laughs) i know but (laughs) like does it take the best to destroy meek mill okay that's cold i'm not even gonna go into that because meek mill people will come after you (laughs) but i will say that he showed his dominance Also, I think, like, I don't know, I've always been pro-team Drake, and it makes, it really annoys me that, like, people say that he's, like, too soft, he's too light-skinned, like, whatever. American, like, hood culture does not have the monopoly on hip-hop. And I think that there's also this, like, really insidious belief that to be a good rapper, you have to be really close to the street, you know? And so you see this in these, like, beefs all the time. It was the same thing with 50 Cent, they're like, he's gangster, so he's a better rapper, same thing with, like, Meek Mill and Drake. If anything, that beef showed that, like, he was deeply good at the internet. And you know how I respect that as a skill. Sure. Marketing. He's so, Yeah, he's so good. You know, like, whereas Meek Mill, I'm like, listen, if you did a little more reading, you would, like, rhyme better. How many times can you say roly? Here's another <laughs> word for watch. Timepiece. Like, <laughs> let me just help you. I have nothing to add to that. Ugh. And I love Drake so much. I love Serena so much. I'm so glad they found each other. I am rooting for them. I'm preemptively praying for you on breakup day. That's all I'm saying. I know. And, or if Serena doesn't win the US Open, Drake is over. 
Oh, come on. Come Cook, on. Like, don't be a distraction. I'm sorry. Like, I don't make the rules, and don't, <laughs> don't hit the player. Hit the game. I mean, maybe she's like, huh, I want enough stuff. It's fine. No, she, are you I'm kidding? kidding I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, that, this is number 21. Like, I know. She cares. She's going to destroy Steffi Groff's, like, title. Um, P.S. Have you read the Claudia Rankin cover story about her yet? Obviously. It just came out. I have not read it yet because I was working, but it's going to be what I read while I drink my second Trader Jose's Corona. <laughs> I will say this also. Claudia Rankin has been doing like the Serena content beat like just incredibly. Oh my God. Yeah. And Citizen. you should like if you haven't read Citizen, I think you should. Her book, I think that anybody who care who says that they care about race should read that Claudia Rankin book. But in the book, she also talks about like, you know, Serena's rise as a great athlete and then the public critiques of her body and her demeanor, but especially her confidence and her like expressions of outrage and joy against the gaze of a like awful white audience. Mm -hmm. And she goes into the like Indian Wells episode, some racist, just sports shit. And so like to see her write again about Serena in, and it's going to be the cover of the magazine this weekend is just incredible. And she made some like, really good points <laughs> about black excellence you know mm -hmm. and how we have to work harder to prove ourselves but the like the sweetness and like serena winning now is that you know she's like winning for winning's sake she doesn't have to prove herself anymore and that's amazing right like the fact that it's a joke that she might stop because you know she's already got double digits amounts of these like massive awards just sitting around yeah, but you know the crazy thing is that she is not, she doesn't pull in the most endorsements in tennis for marketing. I think number one is, uh, God, who is that like beautiful blonde Russian lady? Sharapova. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is like some unknown Australian. I'm not even going to say her name on the podcast. And Serena like destroys blonde. them. Yeah, Serena destroys them like every single time. With Sh Every time she plays Sharapova, they're like, uh, here's the Sharapova rivalry. And I'm like, Serena has beat her like 10 times in a row. I don't know that you can call that a rivalry. I mean, stuff. women's athletic endorsements have never been about who's the best. It's always been about like, you know, who is good and attractive. Oh, no, obviously. Yeah. But like putting it against this curtain of like Serena being so dominant, it's so much more apparent and disgusting to watch. Right, for sure. What does that person always say on Twitter? It's like, look at whiteness work. <laughs> like, yes. um, yeah, that Black Lives Matter activist, Duray, yeah. who is the best. He's like, look at whiteness work. And I'm like, oh, that shit is real, man. <sighs> so depressing. But yeah, Team Serena all the way. I'm so happy about this relationship. We'll check in if like anything happens to them. I will be devastated. Yeah, fingers crossed. Maybe you could send them for some preemptive relationship counseling. Like, <laughs> listen, I like lit some sage for them the other day. It was great. Do you want to you want to talk about fuckboys or are we done? Let's talk about fuckboys really quickly. <laughs> Always have a minute for fuckboys. Yeah. Please. Do you want to talk about fuckboys? This was a specific request by our main man Ryan. Oh, really? Thanks, Ryan. RJ, RJS, friend of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I would say that fuckboy is just the latest in a series of terms that the white mainstream has latched onto while completely 
getting wrong the actual meaning right and con- and and losing the context in the process why do white people do this Anne? please speak for your people why do they always try to take things away from us and then ruin them like bay like on fleek and I predict that the next one will be Netflix and chill. Listen. So, like, why do your people insist on ruining the slang? When you're really busy oppressing all other races, it's hard to have time for creativity and community building, which I think are the things that build a shared vocabulary that is possibly obscure from the mainstream. And so I think that, as a general rule, this is something white people struggle with. And if you can't make it, what are you going to do? Steal it. You're already used to stealing a lot of stuff. So, you know, that's my that's my short summary of how this happens. Also, just like white people want to seem cooler than they really are. And it's like if you throw in a word that you've heard used by a rapper you enjoy in passing or something, then, you know, you can feel like you have a certain amount of credibility. I know, like, white people, on average, 63% less cool than black people. Oh, my God, at least. Like, like studied. Serious studies. <laughs> By the Aminatu so school of studying studies. White people, why do you do this? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. It's okay, and just talk to your people. Talk to your people at the next meeting. I mean, but real practical question, right? So, like, I see my people use a term that I'm like, eh, you know, like, maybe I understand how you're using on fleek. I understand that you saw that vine. It's cool. Is What is the venue for which I, in an Instagram comment, am like, maybe don't say cheese dip on fleek or whatever <laughs> just you just captioned Yo, your photo with yes i've never captioned anything as as on fleek um i'm gonna go through all of your instagram and caption a cheese, cheese dip, dip on fleek. fleek there probably is a cheese dip in my instagram you could caption like that no but seriously i i it's one of those things that it doesn't seem to rise to the level of in your face offense so i would never i would i would maybe kind of roll my eyes and be like making this hard for other white people but i wouldn't ever go so far as to say why are you saying that yeah, you know, and, like, for us, it's just, like, another microaggression, right? It's, like, in the grand scheme of, like, racist shit, like, using black slang and, and appropriating, like, what it means, not a big deal, but it happens all of the time. And it's, like, can we have anything? And also, you know, like, again, just goes to show, everybody loves black culture and nobody loves black people. Sure. Anyway, I'm saying crazy. real dilemma. If you have advice for, I mean, like, I don't know. For, for for actually being like, let me have the conversation with someone else white who is like always. And you should using. make an um you should make an MTV documentary with Jose Vargas <laughs> Antonio <laughs> or Jose Antonio Vargas. White people to wait step up white people to the streets. I think that's maybe yeah. what we could call it. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like every episode is like one slang word. You're like, here's what fuckboy actually means. What's oh fuckboy is also such a good expression. Thank you to the rapper Cameron for giving that to us. Also, just like I, I feel like make your own slang is maybe the appropriate response. It's just like, why don't you think of a cool way of saying my my crew of friends? Like, why don't you think about a, a like a better yeah, like a way that you can say it? People ran out of ideas in like 1779. Like. They just ran out of any kind of, like, cool idea. I think that so is actually the headline from us. for the article about Netflix and chill. It just says white people ran out of ideas in, what did you say, 17-something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like white people just ran out of, like, scratch. Can't make anything up anymore. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh. It's true. I'm going to I feel like maybe that could be a strong contribution like from me to the the, the wider white worlds. I'm like, I, I need to start some some 
white slang that isn't based on racial supremacy that maybe just like use your own just use this less interesting piece of slang as opposed to stealing from someone else okay and we're counting on you we're counting on you <laughs> no pressure <laughs> I, just, I love the idea of like one person speaking for all of white culture thank you you know i am sweating profusely at this point it's not easy <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy carrying the weight of your culture on your shoulders it's not easy Good carrying luck, white white privilege is heavy that's like that big boulder in atlas atlas shrugged is about <laughs> check your bridge <laughs> are we out we're we're out okay. man i what am i gonna do today i'm gonna do some netflix and chill in fact just a text message great uh <laughs> maybe make some more of that fake salad you know great. just live my best life today uh i appreciate that yeah i feel like i'm gonna get stoned and read <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean that's our happiest place. yeah the happiest you can find us online at callyourgirlfriend.com and on Twitter at callyrgf um, send us an email at callyrgf at gmail.com also iTunes, we're on iTunes you can rate us if you like us that would be awesome uh, shout out to our producer and podcast Tina Delva Tina D see you on the internet <laughs> see you on the internet <laughs> <laughs>